0: Trek Companion. This is episode 97. I'm your host, Brian Williams.
1: I am Adam Caesar. I'm
0: Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's sixth season episodes, Rascals, A Fistful of Datas, and The Quality of Life. Uh, forgive me, I have a little bit of a cold, so um, uh, Steve and Adam are going to uh, <laughs> uh, keep me in check
2: with my verbosity. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. (laughs) Rascals, season six, episode seven, production number two hundred thirty three. Original air date, november second, nineteen ninety two, directed by Adam Nimoy, story by Ward Botsford, Diana Drew Botsford, and Michael Piller, teleplay by Allison Hawk, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Colin as Miles O'Brien, Rosalind Chow as Keiko O'Brien, Michelle Forbes as Ro Laren, David Tristan Birkin as young Jean-Luc Picard, Megan Parlin as young Ro Laren, Carolyn Junko King as young Keiko O'Brien, Isis Carmen Jones as young Guy. Mike Gomez as Lurin, Tracy Walter as Barrick, Michael Snyder as Morta, Brian Bunzal as Alexander Roshenko, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, Morgan Nagler as Kid Number One, Hannah Hattay as Molly O'Brien, and Major Barrick Roddenberry as Computer Voice.
1: En route from vacation, Picard, Ensign Rowe, Keiko, and Guinan run into danger aboard their shuttlecraft. O'Brien manages to transport the group onto the Enterprise, but a molecule mishap brings them back as 12-year-old children. Beverly examines the group and finds that while their bodies have changed, their minds remain intact. However, when young Picard attempts to resume his command and lead his crew as though nothing has happened, his staff has trouble taking him seriously. Because of this, Beverly gently convinces him to temporarily relinquish command to Riker. I am still Jean-Luc Picard my judgment my experiences my mental capacities are all intact that's true for now but this could be the first stage of a condition that may begin to affect your mind as well
0: mm. you know you're in trouble when one of my notes here here's just one line of my notes miles to his 12-year-old wife this feels wrong <laughs> 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 yeah, you know this episode isn't nearly as bad as you think it's going to be based on the premise. Mm-hmm. But regardless, the premise is so dumb. I'm surprised they got so far. and that I'm surprised that they made a show out of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, kudos for making this show not be a complete, complete piece of junk. But um, it is just the premise is just absurd.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There was an wow. episode of the animated series that did something like this and. That's okay. It works in a cartoon. <laughs> um,
1: I think probably the reason this episode is is workable is because the children actors they got were were pretty good. I thought I thought they um, played the parts pretty well. The
0: one that does Roe, I think, was by far the best. I mean, she really seems like a kid version of Roe. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: her demeanor, her the way she, you know, um, the dude, the the kid playing Picard. He's, I mean, he's he's okay. He's okay. He's not bad. He's he does a few of the little Picardisms and things um, um Keiko uh, I didn't care if, not 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 particularly good and even Guinan she seems good but did they like ADR every line she had because I know it was
2: odd. it's odd something's odd it's
0: really odd and I don't remember thinking that before I, mean, I haven't watched this episode in years D- did we think this before
2: I don't. I don't recall.
0: Maybe it's just the fidelity, of the improved audio and the experience. <laughs> but yeah, like every single line of hers being ADR, it's it's it just seems weird. It doesn't quite. Especially you know she'll be in a scene and the other person is their actual. Like when she's talking to, to Kid Row and Kid Row, that sounds like a rapper, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it's like Kid K- Rock or Skid Row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Kid Row, the rapping bajour. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, like it'll be that little girl actually speaking, and then it'll cut to Guy and, and be like, Who's talking now? I don't even know. Um, I did read in my research for this episode apparently, the same little girl that played Kid Whoopi in this episode played Kid Whoopi in Sister Act, huh? Or would it have been Sister Act 2? But it was the same year, as the oh, okay. Was done. Interesting, yeah. Interesting. Um, anyway so yeah, so I, I don't know if I think they're all that great but then but the the one is the the row I think is great, and the rest are 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 fine um, but I just think there's a fundamental flaw it, okay let's just accept for a moment let, let's just forget about how silly the premise is all right and let's try right. and, and analyze it in a serious way <laughs> if we can do that, right. then I think a fundamental flaw is that. You need to. Ha- you're trying to get these twelve-year-olds that have the brains of these experienced adults, um, and boy, there aren't many kids that can give you adult wisdom. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I think that. <laughs> okay, uh, one of the first scenes, Picard. <coughs> Sorry, I'm trying to mute myself and I clear my throat. Hang on. Okay. Uh, One of the first scenes, um, Kid Picard talking to Crusher, uh, his ready room, um, you know, and she gets up close to him and she's, and it's just like she would have with adult Picard, but now it just feels creepy. (laughs) Uh I don't know. Is
2: that just me? I think, oh, I think that's, that's one thing about the episode that I did find intriguing is this whole and maybe that's what they're getting at a little bit is how we treat kids and how just I mean part of it's it's just instinctive right i mean the way we the way we uh, react to kids and uh, are protective and and don't and you know don't have that same kind of um, they don't have the same gravitas toss that an adult does when they speak and this kind of thing. I think that's natural, but at the same time, I think maybe what the, some of what it's trying to say is that we uh, we automatically uh, have a, a prejudice because someone's a child. You know, um, even when like in this episode, they know very well that it, you know you know anything can happen in Star Trek. So this is like another day in the office when the adults become kids, but they know it's the adults in kids' bodies, and they still have problems with this. You know.
0: Well, be, be more specific. Like, they have problems taking them seriously.
2: Yes, so, taking them seriously. Yeah. Like, they you can't know. They can't just turn off, like, okay, ignore physical appearance and move on. They can't do it, you know, or most of them can't.
1: Yeah, it seems like they kind of went out of their way to do that. There's a scene in the turbo lift where, you know, Riker kind of gives Picard a glance. You know, it's kind of, it seemed a little bit forced. Right. Um... Um, the one thing I noticed when I was watching this episode, I think um, they might have been able to do without one of the kids and given Alexander a bigger part in this episode, I kind of would have found that a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. kind of a part of the episode, mm-hmm. but not really. I think he it would have been better maybe if they would have explored something there. That's the only thing that, you know, when I, I was watching that.
2: Whole, I, mm-hmm.
0: Go ahead, Brian. That whole storyline, you know, with the Ferengi, I mean that, again, If even if we forget all these other things that bother me about the episode... A, some Ferengi and a couple of broken-down birds of prey <laughs> yeah. overtake the Enterprise in a in a couple of minutes.
1: They shoot come, Worf. And Worf's never yeah, and they down. Shoot,
0: I mean,
2: come on. Uh, <laughs> and it's a good it's, thing this happened, of course, when the, some of the officers are kids, too. Yeah, so that, yeah, that right, worked out. Mean,
1: yeah. um, I think Riker had the best dive. <laughs> 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 just like he flopped on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think
0: it was Jerry Taylor, in, in an interview that I was reading, said something about, well, I mean, it had to be Ferengi, because can you imagine these kids retaking the ship from a bunch of Cardassians? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, okay, but, <laughs> you know, it's still like, you know, it, the show establishes its own world and its own, you know, consistency. And these guys showing up and taking taking the ship so quickly... Is 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 not with that, you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, um, it's kind of. I mean, you know, they try. I mean, there's two episodes we're going to talk about today that kind of have outlandish storylines that are kind of goofy. Um, they do this from time. Sometimes it works. I think it works a little bit better in the next episode we're going to be talking about. But I mean, I don't. They some have a tendency to get kind of ridiculous. Sometimes they go to outlandish storyline plot lines. I mean, I I'd, I'd say normally it doesn't work. But sometimes it can be fun. I wouldn't say I didn't like this episode. It's kind of fun. It has its amusing moments. It's not the worst, I would say. I, I, I could watch this episode again, basically, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Hmm. Um, Steve, do you think this is a bad episode?
1: I think it's bad for
2: the sixth season. Um, yeah. I think it's you know certainly below average. I mean... I'm not I don't I find it appalling. There are a few funny things. Like I said, I kinda get a little bit out of this notion of the kids not being taken seriously in general, like I was saying. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues here and then there's just too much silliness for its own good, really, I think.
1: It's
0: Well there's the, you know, some of the humor works. And the the stuff in the classroom um maybe doesn't isn't quite as funny to me like with the game. Do we like to play a game? But what does what does make me laugh out loud is, you know, um he's my number one dad yeah <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> he actually that's one of the one of the times i think when kid picard he gets like the, that smile that picard gets whenever he's uh-huh. trying to pull one over on somebody yeah yeah you know um that does seem like the same mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe it's a british thing I don't know. <laughs> um, but that yeah that makes me laugh out loud you know that that bit that bit's kind of funny I think there's a. Is there like an error there? Because doesn't he say classroom 8 in the scene, but then it says classroom 7 on the monitor? Hmm. Nobody? No? Pay to that maybe maybe I was wrong about that. You know, that whenever uh, young Card is asking Riker to give them computer control, I think he says classroom 8, but clearly it says classroom 7 on the monitor. Hmm. It's one of those things where maybe I'm wrong and I misread that, but um, but if not, I probably would have been okay with them fixing it on the, uh, mm. the new Blu-rays. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting then. Steve, you're, you've got something for what it's about anyway.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was the most profound thing, and they could have done a better job of delivering that. But I think it's, if anything, that's what they're they may be trying to say a little bit.
0: Caesar, what kind of things were you thinking about for what it's about?
1: Um, yeah, I could agree with Steve about that. Um, you could kind of talk about, you know, you know the, this plot line's been done in movies before, you know, like you know, sec- becoming young again and having a second chance on life. I think they kind of talk about that a little bit early on in the episode, but they don't delve into it much after that um, initial talk that Beverly and Little Picard have.
0: Well, there's a nice scene between um, Troy and Kid Picard you know, talking about. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: that's, yeah, Bevel, yeah, you're right. It, it was yeah. DNA. You
0: know, in his in Picard's quarters, I think talking about you know maybe he could leave Starfleet for a while or go back to Starfleet Academy for a while or you know, mm-hmm. um, you know what would you do if you got to start over? It briefly made me think about that. You know. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know I, know, I know you thought you weren't like overly impressed with the kid, but I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, what he's probably going to be around 12 13 years old and he kind of was managed able to get su- a lot of um stewards manner manu- you know speech and you know he's supposed um- to be 12 but he was
0: 15 and a half when they shot the episode mm.
1: yeah.
0: Of course he was probably 12 or 13 in uh previous Star Trek episode but we'll save that for the trivia Ah mm-hmm. uh <laughs> um um. Yep, yeah, I'm just a little bit loopy, a little bit, a little bit uh, lightheaded. I guess lightheaded. I'm on a lot of a lot of over the counter cold pills and those sorts of things. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. You know, because uh, uh, we don't want to bring our episode uh, to you, our wonderful listeners, late. So here we are, and um, I don't have much of a sense of if we've covered this episode or not. So what? What do you think?
2: Have we? I think we've covered. I, it. I, I I believe so.
0: We get to see uh, little Stewart do. Um, I mean, little Picard <laughs> do uh, throw a tantrum. Yes, do twelve-year-olds throw tantrums? Oh God! Please don't tell me I've got another ten years. <laughs> oh Lord! I hope that's not right. I hope that this was written before the writers had kids. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> also. Don't let your kids watch this one because Guinan and Ro are jumping on the darn bed. Mm. You know, ten little monkeys jumping on the bed. Ro fell off and bumped her head. <laughs> All right. We need... No more drugs
1: for you. <laughs> that was
0: at Target, like, earlier, a few hours ago, like, buying some NyQuil. And I'm like, I'm like hearing somebody humming. I hear this tune. Being hummed, right? I'm like, I know that tune, and I like look around to see who's humming, and I realized it was me. <laughs> 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 that sounds hilarious. Oh, wow. All right, other listeners do not care, so we're moving on to six degrees for rascals. Um, let's see, Adam, are you going first or second?
1: Um, I'll go first.
0: David Tristan Birkin plays Picard, age twelve. He played another Picard, specifically Jean Luc's nephew. Two years earlier in the episode, Family. Name his character.
1: Um, Is it Renee?
0: You are correct. It was Renee. For no bonus points, what was his dad's name? Picard's uh, brother.
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, you already got it. I'm just no. Some no. French name. That's what it was. Yeah.
0: Robert.
1: Robert. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, Adam has one. Steve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mike Gomez plays the Ferengi Lauren and Tracy Walter plays the Ferengi Barrett. They played Damon Tar and K respectively, two Ferengi that were featured in the first ever appearance of the Ferengi in Next Gen's first season. Name the episode.
2: Mm, okay. Gosh. Um, I'll know it when I hear it. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you remember what the episode's about, uh, that'll probably give you the name. I'm not not getting it, Mr. Caesar.
1: Um, I'm familiar. I I think I remember the episode, but I don't. It doesn't ring a bell with the name. With the episode the first, name would
0: be the first appearance of the Frankie was in the Next Gen episode. The last outpost. Um. Mm. Yes. All right. moving. Uh, one nothing moving on. Wow.
2: A Fistful of Data's Season Six, Episode Eight, Production Number Two Thirty Four, Original Air Date November 9, Nineteen Ninety Two, Directed by Patrick Stewart, Story by Robert Hewitt Wolf, Teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Brandon Raga, Music Composed by Jay Chattaway. Guest Cast Include Brian Wanzal as Alexander Roshenko, John Piper Ferguson as Eli Hollander, Joy Garrett as Annie Myers, Jorge Cervera Jr. as Mexican Bandito, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Oh.
1: A rare period of downtime gives the Enterprise staff a chance to pursue recreational interests. Geordie conducts an experiment with Data, attaching him to the Enterprise computer to see if he can be used as a backup. Meanwhile, Worf, Alexander, and Troy transport in the holodeck to 19th century Deadwood, South Dakota, where they engage in a fantasy involving a murderous outlaw named Eli Hollander. Where are we? Deadwood. 19th century earth the ancient west
2: what is our function here
1: you are the sheriff and I'm the deputy
2: so we are in law enforcement
0: Steve kick us off on Fistful of Datas
2: Uh, well this is certainly a memorable episode um I think it's fun. It's not the best thing ever, but it's enjoyable as far as entertainment value. I I really enjoy seeing the Reskin flute again um, from the uh, of course the episode that I'm blanking on the name of all of a sudden inner light light yeah so that was awesome and uh, so yeah I think it's I think it's a lot of fun and it, it also get to show off uh, Brent Spiner gets to show off his uh, comedic acting talents and so forth so I enjoy this. Yeah, I always
0: remember this episode. I think it's fun. I still do. Um, Mr. Caesar, your first thoughts about this episode?
1: Um, yeah, I would agree. I, like, I I wouldn't call it a good episode, but it's definitely a fun episode full of memorable moments. I mean, I mean the the last scene with Data putting his head on Worf's chest when he's you know the <laughs> the. Whatever she is, the innkeeper or barkeep there, I mean that's it's that image is I think has always been burned. It's one of like one of those burned-in images in in your head, and it had to be a lot of fun for the um, actors to do. It's just they kind of get out of their own shell and get to do something fun like that, and probably broke up a lot of the monotony for them, where they could just kind of have fun and be carefree.
0: Yeah, you know, everybody's great, and we we can go on. I'm sure we will about uh, Spiner's data and. Dorn's Wharf. But actually, I forget how great Ceres is Mm -hmm. as Troy here. I mean, she's, she has the little mysterious stranger, you know, the name person, nameless person there. uh, She's really good. She really feels like she's just relishing every line in a Mm -hmm. way that makes it way more fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoy that. I think originally there was a pass at this script where she was, um, Playing, which you probably would have guessed, they would have created for her like one of the bar maids or mm. dancers in the bar or something like that, you know. Um, so it's nice that they they ended up going this direction uh, with her mm-hmm. character. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And it was funny this is so this was the episode of the three that I chose to play for my wife, and uh, and then you know, and she said, "Are they together?" You know, Worth and mm. and Troy. You know, Edinson, I said no, but they're going to be, you know, later. And uh, you know, she's asked that once before. And I don't think I said anything before, but anyway, it was one of those things. I'm like, obviously, there was something going on, and there was some chemistry there that that you know, 15 uh, year old me didn't get uh, <laughs> when this episode aired. Right. You know, um, so you know, it's just one of those other fun things to kind of discover another another aspect of how you can rediscover these things as the years go by and you know you get we you know age and see them differently um but you know i definitely uh really enjoyed this episode I, I i am a big fan of westerns i used to be a really big fan uh, um, and, and obviously you know uh, adam and i both went to a uh, film school and you know in the western was such you know it's it's like the superhero movie is now you know it was the genre for many many years for Mm -hmm. way over a decade probably for you know it's the top genre for a couple of decades or more
1: yeah i'd say Um, at least 30 years
0: yeah um so you know of course there's a lot of great a lot of great material there that they were able to mine, you know, there are definitely some shots in here, you know, Patrick Stewart directed this episode, you know, there's definitely a few shots that were clearly lifted out of, you know, uh, Shane, for example, with Alexander underneath the um, the, the doors into the uh, saloon and stuff. Um, anyway, there's a, a lot of cool stuff in here. You know, the, what holds this episode back just a little bit for me is you, a little bit of that sense of um, you know, they they had one day to shoot all the exteriors. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the kind of money uh, and time that you, that you would spend, say, on a feature, for example. Um, so it does feel a little bit oversimplified at times, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's okay. Even if we look at just, like, from the story's point of view, it's okay that it's a very simple story. We just want to, you know, this is one of those things where it's just fun to see them in the Outfits. I like that they call it the Ancient West. Is that something that was established in this episode? I think so. I like that, actually. As opposed to old the Old West. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. That whatever, makes sense. You know? Yeah.
1: Um. One thing I did kind of notice when I was watching, it's that they were in the holodeck for quite some time. I mean, it seemed like a lot of time passed on the outside of the Enterprise. I'm like,
0: and nobody asks. Hey, yeah, nobody noticed. You should
1: yeah. check on them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's obviously hard to keep these... I mean, how many times have they done the ship malfunctions while someone's in a holodeck program, and now the safeties are off, and they're in real danger, and whatever, and they go You know, they have done that a lot. So in a way, I think this episode smartly doesn't point it out, because they, because they don't have the people actually outside of the holodeck realize that they're in trouble in the holodeck right. which in a way would, would point it out and make it even more similar to all the other ones like if they were working to get them out of there mm-hmm. so I, this is one of the few times I actually kind of saw why they didn't and I appreciated that they that they didn't it kept it from feeling it helped it feel just the tiniest bit less stale like so many of those unfortunately uh, so many of those episodes kind of do because are just so damn many of them mm-hmm. you know right. um um, I, you know, it is fun. <laughs> Worth saying. Uh, uh, I'm beginning to see the appeal of this program. That big hmm. smiley gets on his face. yeah, yeah. You know, it reminded me of what was it, insurrection. Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely feeling aggressive tendencies, sir. Oh, uh-huh. right, right. <laughs> you know, there's like this just relish that he gets whenever yeah. he can, you know, kick butt.
1: Well, yeah, I love that. I love that scene where you know he just takes out the villain right away, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like no 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 Alexander, no no no, it's supposed to be harder.
0: Uh, that's funny. Um how do you not and how do you not get a smile on your face when the enterprise rides off into the sunset? That I always forget about that at the very, very end. Uh and that is it it's a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek, but that's fine. Uh that's really great. Um, um yeah, data. Pretty amazing! Mm -hmm. All these different performances. Um, Brent Spiner. Uh, What do you what do you think of all the um, you know the bits with uh, Data on the ship? You know, doing his little Western lines and things.
1: It's funny. I mean, he kind of fits in the storyline. You know, both things got transferred back and forth. But yeah, it's. I I think I enjoyed the um, crew's reaction to him more than like when the first time when he says "reckon" and what did you say? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they
2: maybe did it a bit much or something, but uh, yeah, it's funny.
0: Uh, what's this episode about? Huh.
1: Um, recreation. It's about uh, recreation, Brian. Come on.
2: Yeah, if I had to come up with something, I kind of struggle with that, but um, I think there are certain things where, you know, early on, Worf is reluctant to take time out of his duties, and, and you gather it's mostly because he he just struggles to find that connection he doesn't you know he's not comfortable in these settings and with his son and then at the end you have the scene where he elects not to kill the character and tells him to leave town and he looks at alexander so i mean i think there's a little bit of the notion of um you know diving into spending that time and getting to know you know one's child and and um it changes you, and it and it uh, you know you it affects your choices and this kind of thing. I don't. Know.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a father son bonding episode. It's, it's a Worf Alexander episode. Um, so I'd agree with Steve there. <laughs> Not in the yeah, typical I, Klingon way, but yeah, it is there. Yeah, a if bond. you're gonna
0: bring you're gonna bring Alexander in, this is this is definitely you're only going to bring him in once or twice, this is definitely a really good use of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike, you know, the previous episode. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the rascals, it didn't bother me that he was there because it's one of those things where I kind of like it because I'm like, yeah, well, it's really the ship and he probably would have been in the classroom mm-hmm. like that. But on the other hand, um, like Adam said, maybe he could have been better used or used more or something. Um, but here, no, this is, this is perfect. And they really do, it's funny that they have this actual real chemistry i think because Mm -hmm. uh alexander brian bonsall he he can't help but be you know like a kid would be he's giddy a lot and he's happy and he's excited you know and and somehow that's a really great match with um dorn's uh ever serious uh, stoic (laughs) yeah stoic uh klingon even that opening bit, like you, Steve, you mentioned with with the uh, Reskin flute, where we see Data, Geordie, Crusher, Worf, <laughs> bothering Picard, um, and you know it's a fun little turn there to see Worf come in and say he released me from my duties, so we can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, my voice is really starting to hurt.
1: Uh, anything else you guys want to add on this one? I think I'm good. All I. Right, all right. I
0: think so. All right. Listeners, I'm sorry if we're cutting today a little short. Um, but uh, that's how it works. If you can't talk.
1: Well, some episodes talk. go long. Some of yeah. go like, a little short. All right. We even it out. What? Hmm? We, even at, we even it out.
0: Yeah, we do. Um, all right. So, the, yeah, this is a, definitely the most fun episode that we're talking about today. And and I don't know, maybe the most fun, it's it's maybe the most lighthearted, you know, I think about in two weeks, we're going to talk about what I'm pretty sure, I haven't watched in a while, but what I'm pretty sure is my favorite episode of Next Gen, Chain of Command, specifically part two, mm-hmm. which is, I think we've mentioned, probably as dark as Star Trek ever gets. Mm-hmm. You know, in this episode, Fistful of data, is almost as light as it ever gets. I don't know. Mm-hmm maybe looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. But I mean, this is pretty close. This is about as light as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting dichotomy there. You know, two weeks from now being going so much of the way. But it is nice to have these more fun, lighthearted episodes kind of just dropped here and there. Um, I, can, I, can, I can see that complaint that some people have had about, especially the later seasons of, of DS9, you know, or that's how I felt. I didn't feel that way about DS9, but that is how I started to feel about Enterprise season three, especially you know, with the Zindi arc, it was it was just so heavy, start to finish, and I never, never was able to catch my breath. And anyway, that's you know, so if an episode like Fizz Full of Data is, I I never ever think I know I, I've read enough about the way these this show is produced and you know, all these shows. It's so haphazard. Hap- haphazard has like a negative connotation, so I don't exactly I don't mean it in a negative way. But I, but they are like constantly, like they're always under the gun. Mm-hmm. Producing an hour of television every week, I mean, they're always under the gun. They're always like, you know, what, what script is close enough that we can do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I don't think they consciously, are are. Ha, I don't think they, actually, they have the actual luxury of programming it this way. You mm-hmm. know, they can't say, oh, let's put Fistful of Datas there because it's light and we've had a bunch of dark ones. Um, that's why you'll end up with you know, a couple of data episodes in a row or whatever, because it just doesn't really work that way. But yeah. you know, when it when it works out, uh, to get this full of data is, um, a couple of episodes before chain of command, well so much. Well not. yeah it
1: will be it'll be a lot different. I think if there's ever another Star Trek um television series it'll probably be filmed more like a you know, um, yeah, an A and easier where everything's shot before it, episode one airs, you know, and everything's written pretty much yeah, The season's, everything's ready to go, and that's how, you know, the, the shooting production style for, you know, a lot of the series today is more like a film style. Everything is done yeah. before it airs. Um, at, least, and, yeah. at least
0: mostly shot, yeah. You know, and obviously, you know, nowadays everything's... Principle's done,
1: at least. Yeah, you know, most everything's
0: probably. serial and, in, and a lot fewer episodes. It still blows my mind that they would do, um, what, 26 episode seasons? Holy crap.
1: Yeah, Even the original were...
0: series was doing 30 episode seasons, 31 episodes in a mm-hmm. season, which was nuts. At least then, you know, they had fewer effects, but the few of the effects that they did have were took way longer to do. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Anyway, no, no, you're probably right. You know, they they do a new show, it's gonna be very different. But anyway, the way this show was produced, uh there wasn't a lot of
1: Well, that's how all television shows were produced back in when in this day, yeah. in this era.
0: There's still this weird like, like no, that's not the right there's still this weird like I still have this sense I I used to talk about it more when we first started doing next gen but I still have this sense of like how weird it is to be watching these episodes that look like they were shot yesterday it's so <laughs> weird it's so weird you know it's it's like a time machine you know you see these pictures uh, it's like what i mean it doesn't make it it just doesn't my son is not going to have that problem but for me my my brain says it looks this good, it was just shot, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, um, it's weird. And and unlike, I don't know, um, um, uh, a different kind of show or a movie or something that is just showing you, well, hey, that's what LA looked like in 91, fine. No, I mean, this is a sci-fi thing, we're looking at a ship, you know, but there's there's just this weird, like, it looks this good, but yet... They're very careful to only show me one or two ships because they're models it's not c g. you know i don't know it's just this weird it's this weird no man 's land like there's no point in time when this could have been made and ended up the way that it did. Does that make sense mm-hmm. so it's sure. just it's, it''s like it's not even like a time machine because it's not even just that it's more like a uh, wormhole into another dimension anyway <laughs> look at that now i'm yapping more because i 'm sick all right. <laughs> Six Degrees for A Fistful of Datas. Adam has one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Um, The couple of guest stars in here never returned, so we're not doing our normal Six Degrees, what this actor played in a different episode. Uh, We're just going to have some fun questions. This episode is named A Fistful of Datas. This title is a play on the title from what Sergio Leone film?
2: Uh, Fistful of Dollars?
0: And for no bonus points, can you name the Kurosawa movie that A Fistful of Dollars is based on? Um,
2: uh, let's see. <laughs> A Fistful of Dollars is based on... Gosh. Um, Yojimbo? Yep, that's it. Yojimbo. One to one, Adam?
0: Fistful of Dollars is the first of Leone's three Clint Eastwood westerns. The last of those three was named The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. This episode of Star Trek, A Fistful of Datas, was originally called The Good, The Bad, and The Blank. The
1: Good, The Bad, and The...
0: Data? No, it was originally... Oh, well, I guess I should give Steve a chance. Steve? Um... Original title. Clingos Klingon? Yep. The good, the bad, and the on. Steve <laughs> has two.
2: Adam has one. Moving on. The Quality of Life, Season Six, Episode Nine, Production Number 235. Original Air Date, November 16th, 1992. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Story by LJ Scott. Written by Naren Shankar. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Ellen Bry as Farallon
1: and Jay Downing as Kelso. <laughs> Jordy is assigned to survey a station core of a new mining technology with Dr. Farallon, a scientist who is developing the technology, when a dangerous problem suddenly occurs in the power grid. Farallon chooses the moment to introduce Jordy to an exocomp, a device she constructed that quickly restores the power grid to its normal state. Farallon later explains the engineering of the exocom is similar to Lieutenant Commander Data's engineering. That should be enough to help you finish on time. With the help of the exocomps, I think we will. Yeah, You think they'll tell the line? Don't worry. They know who's in charge.
2: Doctor, I must ask you to stop using the exocomps.
0: Why? Is there something wrong with them?
2: No, it is not that. I have reason to believe the exocomps are alive. The
0: quality of life. Um, I, I know it not really have anything to do with the episode, but I like the the beard bit at the beginning, <laughs> of the facial hair. It's funny. It, well, women wear makeup, and you know it. it mm-hmm. It's one of those things like it. Do, it does it dates it, it a little bit, uh-huh. you know. Uh, but my beard is not
1: an affectation.
0: Yeah,
1: I would have <laughs> liked to just... seen um, Worf without the beard. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh. Another behind-the-scenes tidbit. I was just mentioning, to Steve, that uh, we've had a couple of listeners email and say they like those those things, so here's another good one for you. LeVar has a beard because he wanted to have a beard at his wedding. He's getting married in real life around this time. Hmm. So that's why he's got a beard. And he had to tell the show, ask the show producers, and so they wrote it in. Uh, exocomps are cool. It's funny. I always remembered this episode. Um mm-hmm. I don't know why exactly, but there's something about it. Well, at the end, uh, Data, this is a rare thing for Next Gen. I mean, he, he, he explicitly references, you know, a previous um, episode. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but But there is a little bit of a sense of this is an episode that could not have come a lot sooner. This is something that for Data he had to get to a certain place, you know, before he could do this, and um, before he could recognize this, this life form for what it is, um, before he could uh, be willing to risk the lives of his fellow crewmen just to save it. Um, so, I, guess, I think those are the kind of reasons, like, that I always remember this episode, and that I always remember it coming late in the series. And it's inappropriately so. Um it wasn't quite as good as i remembered it, but um I, I like the idea of it. And I and I and I it's a silly little comment, but I, I think the exocomps themselves are really cool. They're a little bit wobbly. It feels like they're moving around on strings, but you know, <laughs> you know. Nowadays of course it would be like because 'cause they'd all just be C G. Um uh, save my throat. Um Adam? <laughs>
1: No, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, well, this episode um of the three that we're talking about today probably has the most to say. Um the episode has a you know it, it has a meaning and has um the, it, it says something, so it's I it's pretty clear. Whereas the other two were might have been a little bit Im- ambiguous. Um so I think that's why this episode holds up and it's a little bit more memorable. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, it, it deals with a a theme that Star Trek deals with, you know, exploring new life, you know, finding new life. I mean, Picard mentions it, mentions it in this episode that, um, you know, it's one of the primary directives of the ship is to, um, seek out new life. So it's always interesting when they can find new ways to do that, or it's not just some, you know, some, you know, this is a new and different way. And this is the things that I've introduced in this series with data is like, you know, um, you know, intelligent, artificial, intelligent life, you know, um, and so it's an interesting topic, and, it you know, uh, pretty much everybody across the board in science fiction, I think, likes this kind of um, storyline where you're exploring, you know, intelligent, artificially created life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting,
0: you know, that Data comes to Crusher, the doctor, to ask what is life. He doesn't go to um, Troy for a philosophical Response, you know, he wants empirical data. <laughs> he wants e- evidence that he can use to unequivocally say whether the exocoms are alive or not. Um, but you know, what what makes that question so interesting is that he soon realizes that it's not such a, you know, simple it's probably- answer. It's not such a black and white answer.
1: And I think that was probably the best scene. For me that was the best scene of the show, just that, that conversation between him, him and Beverly had about that and just how it trans- transpired.
0: I like the scene between um Data and Riker near the end. Although <laughs> narratively it's just a little bit of a stretch to say, you know, for Data to be like risking Picard and Jordy's life on a on his hunch, but you know, it's, it's, it's minor, but I, I like that scene when he's defending his decision to Riker, and he says something like, um, you know, I, maybe I have an insight into these, into these beings in a way that humans could not, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's a simple little idea, but it's, it's actually pretty incredible when you think about it, um. And that and totally makes sense. Uh, and it's something that a human wouldn't instinctively question themselves about. You know, mm-hmm. your automatic response to, well, save Picard. You know, I mean, I'm not, even if these things are real, somehow I'm not equating them to the life form of Picard and Geordie. You know, and maybe that isn't fair. And maybe if I was an android, I would be... More, you know, I could I could be more fair. I could uh, be more objective. I should say, um, you know, and and data's arguing that in this scenario, uh, he is doing just that, and uh, it's possibly a shortcoming of the humans that they're unable to do so, or just that they don't have an insight into a robot basically like he would. But mm-hmm. I like that scene. I like that idea. I think that idea is that this at the center of this entire episode, really. Because mm-hmm. um, who but Data is
2: going to, to drive this. Well, but, did you could... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I like how that scene played out because, I mean, that's really a situation where Riker could have just um, thrown down the the heavy hand and um, enforced his own will in his own way. But they, I liked how they resolved it, um, you know... They were able to come to a a compromise, like a compromise, or not even maybe a compromise, but they were able to resolve that because in the beginning of that scene, Riker's, you know, understandably enraged is like, you know, why are you doing this? And um, I just kind of, I don't, that couldn't have happened in say season one, two or three because maybe the chemistry and the bonds that they had, had, um come to, to know and trust each other. The trust, trust yeah, the control. trust
0: wasn't there. But, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, because in, in a different scene, I think there was something similar. So we had, let's, this the first scene when Data's making the argument to um, everybody, uh, the doctor, what's her name? Farallon? Farallon. Farallon and Picard and Crusher. I don't think Riker was in that scene, but somebody else, maybe Troy. Um, and uh, they're all Totally with data, they're like, yeah, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. We support him. You know, she was the, the 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 person that didn't know data was the only one that was like, this is absurd. They're tools, and mm-hmm. why are we even having this conversation? But like Crusher was really supporting him. She was going after Farallon, or No, I can't still remember name. Um, and even Picard was like, well, we have a duty to investigate the potential for life here. and You know, I I like that, and that's an extension of that trust that you were just talking about. Uh, Adam, you know, the, that trust in their, their data, their crewmen, that they give equal weight to his thoughts and views that they would anyone else, regardless of the fact that he's an artificial life form.
2: Well, that's what's interesting, kind of extending off what you said a moment ago regarding the, um, you know, that notion of, is it is it human nature to value... Um, Value those that are more like yourself. You know, we can we can bring this into, you know, just humanity in general, and not just a situation where we're talking about androids versus you know carbon-based life forms, and then race, you know, race yeah. and gender. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then going off that, you talk about the the relationship they have on the uh, you know amongst them, and because of that trust within data, they can understand his point of view more, which goes further in saying, like, okay, well, the, the more you live and work with those that are different from you understand other perspectives, it can broaden your own perspective. Hmm. Well, it sounds like we're getting into what it's about. Huh?
1: Uh, real quick, did it seem like that station had way too many problems? <laughs> 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 like every five seconds somebody's like starts rattling we gotta get out of here
2: <laughs> <laughs> good thing that Vexer comps around and be fixing everything <laughs> I didn't honestly
0: I kind of missed it maybe it was explained better at the beginning but I kind of didn't understand what the whole point of the station was what technology they some kind of new mining. mining technology they're trying to convince the federation to adopt Does some, yeah. Yeah. mining what I don't, I don't,
1: whatever minerals they want to mine is what I kind of got know. for <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but you know, we didn't even mention in um, oh, rascals. That was something I wanted to mention. It Was the incredible techno babble? Oh yes, that Riker had in that scene where he's he's stalling the Frangi, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really funny. But on the other hand, like like I don't think he's totally making all of this up. I think about <laughs> half of this is actual next gen techno babble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, this episode had a fair amount of technobabble. That's why it reminded me of it. Like the very first scene with um, Farallon and Data, and, you know, when she's asking about uh, the speed of his, uh, you know, the, the the Data as it moves around his positronic net. That um, was pretty technobabble Um Of course, this episode was written by the, the guy that used to be their science consultant, and I think he had a... Shankar doesn't he have a PhD or something yeah I think so I think so um, so you know it, maybe this episode wasn't quite like I said it wasn't quite as good as I remembered it but it was still very good and, I, and I, there's something about it that' it's always kind of stuck with me because I think it like we, you know like we just look at our conversation um, it's it's an episode that because of what it's about uh, it asks a lot of questions and you end up asking a lot of questions and re examining things, um, even about yourself. And I mean, that that makes even an episode that isn't the greatest one ever incredibly worthwhile and makes it hold up. And that's the point of our show is just do we have an answer for what it's about? Heck yeah, we do. Um, and this is the perfect example of the kind of episode that I'll be watching for the rest of my life and that has made me such a fan of Star Trek. You know, I enjoy fill of Data's. I thought Rascals wasn't very good, but this is, this is the kind of episode where, you know, I'm going to be watching it always, mm. you know? Um, anyway. Uh, my beard is not an affectation. Mm. <laughs> That's really cool that the Exocomps have the, um, like, a little mini replicator. That's very handy.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's
0: I kind of cool. want one of those in my yeah. for my pocket and just pull it out yeah. anytime I need something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> pull it out of your pocket, the magic pocket.
0: Yeah. We ready to wrap up?
1: Mm-hmm. Let's do it.
0: All right, six degrees for the quality of life. I believe Steve has one and Adam. No, no, Steve has two. Adam has one. Correct. All right, um, Adam, are you going first or second?
1: I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to go second. Oh, my God.
0: I'm going to go third.
2: No. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Steve, Data references the events of The Measure of a Man, where Picard defends Data at trial. What season was that episode?
2: Uh, Was that uh, second season?
0: You're correct. Second season. Adam. Now, this is a multiple choice. The Exocomps originally had a different name, and my monitor went to sleep as I'm reading my question. <laughs> the Exocomps originally had a different name. The original name had to be changed because it turned out there was a, a company that was actually using that name. Was the original name for the Exocomps, which, again, also the name of a company, was it Delta Comp, Metacomp, or Amazeballs? <laughs> Why did I write Amazeballs?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: so I it's either so A or know. B, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it was maze Balls. <laughs>
1: I'm going to <So>, go A. <laughs> first comp. choice. Delta
0: Comp. Um, no, the original name was Metacomp. <laughs> no, it was originally Amaze Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Balls. Damn it. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve takes it for the day. Um, um, Mr. Caesar there's a chance that he will get a few minutes to interview some Star Trek people on Sunday. So if you happen to be listening to this episode the day it goes up, Thursday the 21st, or if you're listening to it Friday or Saturday the 22nd or 23rd, is that right? Yeah. Okay, of August 2014, um, and you want to either email or uh, tweet us questions, um, you know, if... Caesar gets does this interview, which he he's not even going to know for sure until Sunday. But if he does, um, you know, he might might use a question if somebody has one. So you want to tell us a little bit about this event, Adam, and um, um, yeah. who's going to be there and stuff.
1: Yeah, if you want to look it up to see, see who's there, um, it's the was Wiz- chicago wizard world comic-con It's a mouthful and anyway they're doing a star trek thing on um it's a star trek day on sunday um william shatner will be um i believe he's going to be um hosting it and it's going to be have it's going to have most of the next gen um cast there i believe uh, you know patrick stewart is on there. you know just straight down the line and but you know, obviously, somebody could cancel at last minute. So, the thing is, is like, might get to get a chance to do an interview for my job. Um, for those of you who don't know, I work in TV, and we do this little community show. So, we can we get to do little fun interview stuff like this. So, hopefully, it works out. And you know, if anybody has any questions that um, I'll be taking suggestions. I can't promise I'll use it because I have no idea how much if I'll get to talk to him, or even how long I'll get to talk to him. So, I might only get like two or three questions tops. But um, send them anyway. I'm yeah, I need some ideas.
0: Yeah, because you uh, you've regaled us with your the story of the time you interviewed Nimoy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I should be far less nervous this time around. I've, not, I've interviewed quite a few people since then. Leonard was yeah. like one of my very first people I ever interviewed, and that was kind of nerve wracking, obviously for many reasons. Yeah, but yeah, we pure fun. Um,
0: That's another trivia thing. One one of today's episodes was actually directed by his son. I think it was Rascals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Adam Nimoy directed Rascals. Um, so, yeah, send us, send us some of those questions if you get this uh, if you listen to this in time. Maybe I'll, I'll throw it up on um, Twitter and Facebook, too, and just see if somebody wants to th- throw some out there. But, yeah, like you said, he's not going to even know if he gets to ask questions until Sunday, but hopefully he does. And uh, Well, if nothing I else, I'll get to
1: see the show, and I'll tell you guys about it next show.
0: Cool. So look forward to the report. What was the name of the uh, show again? Just in case somebody wants to look it up.
1: Um, the Chicago Wizard World Comic Con.
0: So, if nothing else, if you're in Chicago,
1: go, check go it to this out.
0: thing and, and, and go up to Adam and say, Hey, man, how's it, how's it going? <laughs> What's it's up?
1: Long and prosper.
0: <laughs> L-L-A-P. <laughs> 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 so, uh, thank you so much um, for listening. I am sorry if my voice hurt your ears today. I assure you it also hurt my throat to use it. Uh, if this is the first time you've ever listened to our podcast, um, then next time you're going to think that I'm ill, but I hopefully won't be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, thanks again for spending an hour with us. Uh, in a couple of weeks, woohoo! We get to talk about Chain of Command. Very, very, very excited about that. Something else good then too. Oh yes, sh- um, shipping a bottle. That's not, yeah, a rare sequel episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, until then, follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, uh, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Send in those questions for Adam um, by Saturday. Uh, thanks again. Take it easy. Bye, guys. See you.
1: I passed it.